No, I'm gonna explain to you real quick. Can you walk in? There's a reason for it. How did you decide to make the book? Because you're an investigative journalist for the LA Times. You did that for 37, 38 years, whatever that was. And you wrote other books. But this book, which is still to me, um, I mean, I, to me, it's one of the greatest books written about Kurt. And it's maybe one of the best business books I've ever read. Because you get into the mind of what was, I mean, it's just inc incredible um, to me uh, what you, I, mean, I just, it's an incredible book. I'm, I'm well, a, a big fan. Thanks a lot. Um, what what happened uh, when this one is that the, a, I got a phone call from a, an editor at HarperCollins who had just read the, Kirk had just died. And she had read his ob obituary in the New York Times mm -hmm. and called to say, this is incredible. This is somebody who is so incredible, and I've never heard of him. What? Who is this guy? And of course, he's coming from Los Angeles. He was uh, a businessman in in Los Angeles. He was the richest man in California in, in Los Angeles in his early in his years. Anyway, she said, "Do you know him?" I said, "No, but I knew who he was. You mm know, -hmm. he was in our business pages." And um, and and uh, and I thought, well, she wanted to know more. I, I'm a I'm a reporter. I'll 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 learn about him on on the job. Mm. Um, it was it didn't turn out to be quite that easy. Well, he's a pretty private man, so I'm curious as to like where did you start? Where when you okay, everybody, if you guys are just tuning in or whatever, uh, this is the Gambler, written by Bill Rimple. Um, it's like Temple with an R, Rempel. Um, mm -hmm. And I cannot suggest more. I, I probably, I probably listen to this book parts of it once a week, chapter by chapter. And I probably, I think when you look at Apple, they can tell you that I played it like <laughs> it, it's probably bordering a hundred times now. Yeah. Um, and of course, we uh, we own copies of it. It's just, it's just. How, how did you get started with this? The first thing I did was contact uh, his his lawyer, uh, Patty Glazer, and um, she told me that um, thanks, but no thanks. We're nobody is going to help you. Ouch. He's a he's a very private man. We are going to protect that privacy, and, and when unsaid, was well, they're going to protect it into the grave. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the fact that he was a private man very private man. He mm -hmm. did not run around telling his opinion about anything. Right. So I already knew it was going to be difficult, but this this was official. In fact, she said no one inside the family or in the estate would cooperate. And so I knew I had a I had something akin to an investigation to do as opposed to mm -hmm. uh, an easily um, you know, usually these kinds of things you think would be easy because people want to talk about the uh, mm -hmm. dearly departed. And he had a lot of friends. He had a lot of friends. And, a lot of, and so I started started with them. How, how long did it take you to actually write it, complete it? Like from the time you decided I'm going to do it to the time it was completed, how long did it take you? Well, I got that phone call from um, the editor uh, within days of his of his death because uh, it was in the obituary in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And and that was in 1915. Um, 
I had the contract by the end of that year, and um, and it probably and I. You mean 2015? 2015. Okay, got it. Okay, I say 1915. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. No, that was before my time. Yeah, actually. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was before Kirk's time. It was before my time too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 2015 is um, is when he died, and and we got the book project underway, and uh, it it was published in January of 2018. So. Um, that's how long it took. I mean, it about took three years. It took, it took, yeah. And I thought I could do it in a year. Wow. But, but the longer I worked at it, the more people wanted to help. Oh, really? Sure. And, and people who had, who had, uh, had passed on helping in, in early on. Did Alex came, help you at all? Yes, he did. He Alex was, did. He was a very important uh, source. What, uh, what's, what's he doing today? Well, last time I, I knew, um, he, is, he and his son, I think, had a business here in Las Vegas um, uh, with legalized marijuana. They were, oh, really? They were developing some uh, business around that. I don't know how that's going. I haven't talked to I him. I had a chance to meet him when he was running MGM. I think I think no. it was like the third time that Kurt owned MGM. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, as everyone knows. So people probably don't know that Kurt Kikorian bought MGM um, and really – Bought control of it when the guys up in Canada, um, I can't remember their names. They're really important in the media business. Brothmans. Yeah. Right? Oh, he, The Brothmans were the largest. Brought it from, bought it from them. The first, I mean, over there, they didn't want to sell. Over their objections. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, he bought and sold MGM three times. And now, of course, recently... Uh, mm. Uh, Amazon's buying it for what nine and a half billion. Yeah, no, like, would be Kurt, blown away by that, would he yeah, not? No, he always said it was going to be the unlocked value of this, right? Oh, well, you know, he he understood where the where the wealth was or where the value was in the in the movie business before most people did, right? Um, in the the libraries of the old moves movies, and uh, so he and he sold it, of course, to uh, Ted Turner, who that's uh, a great. Made- Your asshole friends on the phone, <laughs> Leslie. Leslie, uh, uh, that, that was great. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm a John Malone fan, Greg Maffei fan, and I followed John Malone forever because I, I, I initially, for a very short time, I was in the cable TV business. My, my mm. father-in-law was involved in that space, and I was for a very couple of years involved. And Malone is a is an icon, obviously, of what he's done, right? But I love yeah. that part in the book where Ted Turner. <laughs> calls up John Malone early in the morning. Leslie answers the phone, John Malone's wife, and says, your asshole friend is on the phone. It's 5 a.m. Because, you know, they've been, Leslie and and John have been together for like uh, ever, right? And I, you know, they have a great partnership. And and I could could just envision that that conversation taking place. And uh, KNN. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Kokorian News Network. It could have been. Yeah, exactly. It could have been. Um, but did, did, how did you find out the details about that transaction where he sold? Because it's a little confusing, right? He sold MGM's library to, to Ted, and he created Ted created uh, that great channel TBS mm-hmm. with all those old shows on it, right? And Tom and Jerry and all that stuff. Yep. But then somehow Kurt got some of it back. And, do you remember uh, all those details? I remember some of them. He he bought the naming rights back because really what he was brilliant at was. 
he sold the MGM hotel to Bally's, but only let him na- use the name for three years. That's right. So he was always a forward thinker. He wanted the MGM was was like the good seal of approval. He wanted that. That was the value. MGM meant class. MGM meant um, value. Mm-hmm. MGM was just um, he he was willing to share it for a while. And he did that with Disney too. Um, when Disney had an had an down in Orlando had a uh, um, essentially a, a, an MGM lot for. I mean, they, they oh were, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but he really he wanted he wrestled that one back. Also, but it, it, sometimes he wrestled more than he than he than he planned. But uh, yeah, but he was he, he he what he he wanted everybody who worked for MGM to uh, to feel like they were with the best company in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 there's so much in this book. I cannot stress. Now you you already have sold the rights, and HarperCollins is the publisher, and so we're not here pitching. <laughs> pitching bill as much as we are what a brilliant book he he wrote there's so much to learn from this but one of the things that he did and we're so off topic like we're not even (laughs) into the part where he was a pilot delivering planes the things he was doing in boxing early early Mm -hmm. on people don't realize this guy kirk akorian was a boxer a pilot a financier he owned part of Western, a large portion of Western Airlines. Mm-hmm. He started his own airlines. Well, that's exactly what what the uh, the public, the uh, editor at at Harper Collins realizes in the New York Times obit. Here's a man who was a war, a heroic wartime figure, an sure. aviator, right. flying planes uh, in a place where where uh, the there were no uh, navigational devices you mm-hmm. they were they flew at night so they could use the stars i mean it was he was a pioneer of aviation pioneer he was he he owned every one of the three big the big three auto in, uh, companies i mean was the major the major owner yeah. for all three at one time or another mm-hmm. um his uh he he, re- he changed the face of las vegas he he introduced something called the leisure industry. No, I, I people don't realize that there was no big businesses that owned casinos until the rules were changed for him and Howard Hughes. Effectively, well, they changed the rules. They, they did they change did. the rules, right? Because see, banks wouldn't loan to um, uh, casinos. To casinos, right. they wouldn't loan to mobsters, right? <laughs> but that's why the mobsters had. That's a, a strange thing. Why would they loan to the mobsters, <laughs> right? Well, that's why the mobsters came in because they had the money. They had the Teamsters pension fund, right, and other things. Anyway, so um, so what with Kirk and with uh, uh, Howard Hughes, you had people who didn't need the mob's money. They brought their own. They were their own banker. Sure, and so that changed the rules that changed the, the the tenor it changed everything well i think it, to understand that he i mean what's even crazier is bugsy siegel <laughs> well, and the fact that he was flying him back and forth yeah. to vegas right i wonder did he fly him on that faithful last trip back yeah or, yeah he did, didn't he yeah. he did Kirk, he, he, bugsy came in at the last minute and said i, I need a i need a ride right and, uh, and this was in los angeles right you needed to get over to vegas for some meeting and and Kirk and his partner at the time, uh, you know, were going to toss, you know, flip coins for who's going to fly Bugsy over. But Kirk did it. He was he, and I think he was trying to sell Bugsy a plane at the time. So this was an opportunity, right? Business opportunity. Anyway, 
they uh, they did. They, he flew him over. It was like a forty-five minute meeting. But I mean, Kirk never left the plane because uh, this was just something he's Bugsy asked him to stay with the plane until because it would be short, and it was forty-five minutes. Flew him home, flew him back to uh, to L.A., and that next day, uh, Bugsy was gunned down in Beverly Hills. Well, he he, uh, I, I, it's it's not it's it's believable because in my myself personally, I've done so many different things, started so many different companies. I can see how over time people start to think, well, how did you do all those things? But he did them one by one, right? I mean, he did them one by one. He was a boxer. He 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 started flying and delivering uh, aircraft, and, and eventually uh, a freight lifting, a lot of freight. And yeah, after and, after the war, he. he during the war, that, those deliveries he made to the to uh, to Scotland, England, right? Yeah, yeah. England is, and delivered to it actually into a base in Scotland that were used in the uh, to, to change the change the course of history because this gave the this was essential to the uh, Brits having uh, air superiority air superiority over the Nazis mm-hmm. was this the fact that they were getting this this whole all these planes funneled over uh, right. from from North America. Yeah, I think people to understand that back then to get these planes delivered to Scotland, Kurt would fly them from the U.S. Effectively, well, right? from Montreal, from Montreal would fly them over to deliver them to effectively the British to fight mm. the war to the RAF, right? right? And they and they did that because they wanted to avoid the Nazis or anything knowing what was happening. They, that's how they delivered. They didn't deliver them on boats. They he actually flew them over one by one, basically. They did. It was a, a group. Uh, the ferry, the ferry command of the RAF had about five hundred pilots uh, at any one time, and they were constantly. It was they were in the air. I mean, Kirk, Kirk was in the air uh, every couple of days if, mm-hmm. if if he could, and uh, and he was paid a thousand dollars a flight. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was, was that good. I guess that, that was, was good spectacular money, back then. money in nineteen forty-two. And Kirk. Didn't even have a didn't even know how to fly until 1939. He took his first airplane ride in 1939 uh, with a friend and fell in love with with being in the air. He learned how to fly from uh, Pancho. Uh, what's her name? Um, the the uh, the woman. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yep, Happy Bottom Ranch. Yep. in uh, up in the uh, in in the, in the valley. Anyway. The the uh, well, did he have a connection to California City then? It was that where that they had a like it was outside of Edwards Air Force Base. I thought. That, oh yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yes. for sure. Uh, uh, and, yeah, Pancho. What? Oh, man. there's a, a famous bar there, like a, like Chuck Yeager and a bunch of people yeah. hung out with too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where that's where they they learned. I mean, yeah, the yeah, the, the early astronauts, but um, but this was. A uh, place to, for people to learn how to be pilots. Just, yeah, just a pilot. Right. And Kirk, Kirk talked his way in. And he milked cows and sho- and and shoveled manure in order to get his life. In order to get be, be able to attend because mm-hmm. uh, he didn't have money. And uh, so he he gets he got he got his first job out of that, which was uh, training. Of training pilots for defense contractors up mm-hmm. in King City, and out in Blythe, um, so he was he was a 
a, a pilot trainer uh, with, within weeks or months of learning how to fly. Well, yeah, he, he wanted to do it. He was yeah. passion, right? Yeah. So he figured out, I mean, that's an interesting lesson for people that are watching is that he had no money. I mean, this mm. guy had zero dough. Right. That's right. And he made it happen anyway. So he just figured out a he way was, to make it He was he was installing furnaces for a living. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh and he 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 had he picked a, he when he got his first uh, ride in an airplane, it was out of a, a airfield in Alhambra where it cost him fifty cents to uh split the split the rental for uh for an, uh, fifteen minutes in the air. But it changed his life. Until then, he was a boxer. Mm -hmm. And that was what he did on the side. Rifle right, right? Well, that's Rifle right Kokorian was awarded to him after some fight in, uh, in, in, in when he was uh, 20 years old, 19 or 20. Right. Um, and it was, to the, his dying day, it was one of, it probably was the most precious um, possession, was his nickname, Rifle Right. Right. Um, but he was a he was a, a very a good boxer because he didn't he didn't go down. Yeah, it's funny about this. As I talk about this book, um, there is so much to unpack here, mm. right? About Cary Grant, mm. the facility he bought up in Reno as a testing uh, a sort of a training facility that was an old Sinatra casino where mm. Sinatra had to give up that license, where what happened during the MGM fire that was yeah. remarkable, the insurance lawsuit in which he, he ended up settling. Uh, it, it, it's just the most remarkable thing. I, I, I got to say it's up there with one of the most remarkable business books I've ever read in my whole life. I've been doing this for 33 years on Wall Street. I'm going to give these out as gifts for people that know me. I, I was a couple years ago compelled to call you I got a hold of you on Facebook and said, this is like the, one of the most important books ever written. And uh, I, I just continue to think to this day that there are so many lessons about not having money and persevering. The setbacks he had after he bought the Flamingo and they wouldn't let him finance. And he really lost a lot on the international kind of Baron Hilton, or I, I don't know if it was Conrad or Baron. But one of them kind Baron, of yeah. Baron kind of shoved it up his ass a little bit, but and and took Kurt, advantage. And Kirk took advantage. He took advantage of Kurt when and when he was down a little bit. Um, but the guy persevered. He like he said, "Lesson learned. No, you know, no sour grapes. Let's move on." Right. Right. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the name of that was up there in uh, in Reno. It was right. It was on the Tahoe border. Yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, it was uh, Calneva. It was Calneva, Calneva Lodge. Yeah, yeah. Calneva Lodge, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Sinatra's, uh, uh, the, the, the state licensing board took, took offense at some of uh, Frank's friends. How did, um, how did Kurt overcome the drama with the bet where the guy was like a mobster and he made a bet and wrote the check? Was <laughs> it... Did it end up being a big deal, or because yeah. yeah, I know he was embarrassed about it, but well, he was severely embarrassed about it. But what what happened? It's you know? the it's the it's the reason that the um, that Baron Hilton got a better deal on the first hotel, right? Because what happened is at, at back in the '60s, early '60s, mm -hmm. um, Kirk was 
doing a lot of betting on sports. Mm-hmm. And there was some big boxing match that I don't remember. Right. But a, a big boxing match that he bet on. And and frankly, when you when I see the accounts of it, it looks like maybe there was some it was a split decision, let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. And the guy that won looked a lot worse than the guy that lost. Mm. Um but Kirk was had bet on the guy that lost, mm. and he suddenly owed his bookie twenty one thousand, uh, yeah, twenty one thousand three hundred dollars, something like that. And he wrote a check to someone. Well, yeah, he the the someone the bookie went by the his code name was uh, uh, George Raft. Right. He wasn't George Raft, but the the actor. But he he used that name. So he uh, he called and and they let uh, Kirk know that uh, he should. He should write this check to uh, George Raft. George Raft, and uh, and and uh, and and Kirk did did that and flew it to uh, to New York. Um, it was delivered to a hotel. Yeah, but here's the thing: the guy that that he wrote the, uh, he was dealing with was at the very moment uh, uh, being wiretapped by the FBI. Right. So there's Kirk saying, you know, I it's a, he he had no problem writing the check. He owed the he owed the money. It was a bet. It was legit. Uh, and he was a man of his word. Man of his word. He was he was going to pay it. Right. What? But everybody knew that the that the uh, the feds were on uh, on were investigating a lot of these these characters in his life, and and he just didn't want to call attention to it. Um. So he was he was trying to do pay the bill without turning it into a um, a, a scandal, and uh, and it wasn't. In 1963 or whatever it was, mm-hmm. what happened was that when uh, when Kirk was was Kirk started the International Hotel with enough money to get it launched, he did not have the funds to finish it. It's a t- one of those typical. He's, so he needed he needed to uh, to do a a, um, a a public offering to finance mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. To finish the financing. And when that came up, the it happened to coincide with um, publicity on this on these mobsters, mm-hmm. and well, he went. He brought it public. It went public. He wanted did. to do a secondary to pay it off. Yes, right. I think for people who are uh, are not familiar with this, the International Hotel, which later became the Hilton, and then now is Westgate, mm-hmm. was the big. It's connected to the Las Vegas Convention Center. It is at the time was the biggest hotel in the world right, yes. right? and it is still in a behemoth of a hotel yeah. and what was famous was kurt brought elvis presley there right yes, and did. it and it it was competing with it was howard howard hughes's opening what the frontier the landmark the landmark then it was and and this was a dominant just incredible hotel that he built and there there's a lot in the story about how he built the hotel the competition with with Howard Hughes, what was happening with Baron Hilton? Was it Baron or Conrad? I think it's Baron, but I yeah, I, I'll I can't remember. Um, uh, and 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 the, what transpired with this and how Kurt had adversity, overcame it, almost like you could be a bitter person if you were Kurt. You could be bitter over that, right? He was angry. I have to say, right? Uh, by all accounts, right? All accounts. He he. But uh, it 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 made him. I mean, he, he was forced to do things that he didn't want to do. Sure, and that that always bothered Kurt. Right. So, um, but but it, and it and what he didn't like was was the implication that he was in business with the mob. He wasn't. Right. It was a re, it was a 
sports bet. And he had nothing to do with mobsters, uh, except as occasionally they were his friends. Um, well, I think that that he still that was something he had to overcome too. But I think a lot of relationships came forward and said, "We've looked yeah. at Kurt. This is not true. Exactly, yeah, this is legitimately exactly. not true. He, he was not a, a, by anybody's um, 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 definition uh, in bed with any mobsters at any time. But as a businessman, he didn't mm -hmm. need them. He just flat out." Didn't, didn't need that source of income. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but 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 what happened here is that um, the government, yes, the, the uh, SEC took a wanted Kirk to turn over information about the, the flamingo. But it was really kind of the IRS that was pressuring him, and they they pressured the SEC to ask him for yeah. that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is kind of a bad tactic, right? They really held him up. They exactly, and and they did it. At a at a key time, so he had to kind of come up with different funding. So he had we had to work a deal with uh, with his partner. But where he really got kind of screwed there, and I, I think he really did, was he bought the flamingo, which was an historic historically you know started by Bugsy, and the mob was skimming there. Everyone kind of knows this. He started reporting it legitimately, so the IRS is like, "Wow, they're, they're reporting so much new income. <laughs> yes. You and how could someone be ballsy enough to buy the flamingo?" And not have the books. And he's like, I didn't want the books. I just wanted to buy the casino. He made it legitimate, and they were penalizing someone that oh, made it legitimate. Yeah, well, they they couldn't believe that somebody would buy it without doing a uh, uh, a due diligence. Uh, right. Begin. And Kirk did not do a due diligence. No. He saw what they made. I mean, he saw what the action was. He knew what he could do with it. And he knew he was going to be building the International, and he wanted a hotel where he could train staff right. on a big scale. Big because the biggest hotel in the world was going to be a challenge to staff, and uh, so the the flamingo was his training was his training ground for the big hotel. What's amazing here is, by the way, I, I started being a pilot when I was thirteen. I'm going to tell you a lot. Like this is a lot for me. Like this is such an important thing. But what's crazy about this is, I'm going to blow your mind. I think I'll blow your mind. Okay. I worked with Freddie Sarno. Oh, really? Jay yeah. Sarno's son. Oh, wow. Right. So I don't think people realize that Caesar's Palace, the land under Caesar's Palace was owned by Kirk Okorian. It's, it and was. the great Jay Sarno came and said, Kurt, I need that land. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, it, and Kirk, Kirk bought that land after he made his first million. Oh, really? It, it was when, and the first million was made when Studebaker, of all companies. Yep. Uh, wanted, bought bought out his uh, his young small uh, charter airline. airline. Right. They wanted to branch out and save their automobile business by expanding. Expanding, and uh, and so Kirk Kirk's Kirk agreed because he he was left in charge of running it. But right. But and they gave him one million dollars just to to keep running it the mm -hmm. way he had been. He took that one million. He went. Went to Vegas and paid nine hundred and forty thousand of it for the land for that land, and it was terrible land. I mean, it was on the strip, mm -hmm. but but all the all the frontage property didn't wasn't fronting on all the stuff that was that fronted on the strip uh, was owned by individuals, and so he had to work a deal where he acquired all that frontage to make the forty acres worth uh, you know, a, a place for a, for a a, um, a big casino and hotel 
And so he did that, and then Sarno comes to town. Almost, right. it's almost like it happened in, in Bing Bang, but it. Um, but he also owned. Eventually, he owned other property there, though, right? Because he owned where I think the Oasis was. I mean, a couple oh, other. He, well, he owned a big chunk of. I mean, it was a big piece of land that wasn't that didn't front on the on the strip, but it did by the time he it closed escrow because he made trades. He traded five acres over there for a half an acre over here that was worthless otherwise. I mean, you couldn't build a, a you couldn't even have built a, a gas station on it. I mean, it was right. nothing. But he saw the potential and he worked it, and uh, and he turned it into much more valuable property. So it just happened to be exactly what um, Sarno wanted. Wow, and it was Caesar's. Yeah, he did. A, he did a lot of those deals. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those deals. What was? What's your? I mean, I want to continue to go over it, but what was like your? What's your favorite part of the whole book? Oh, geez, that's like asking who's your favorite kid, right? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, they all have things that are value, and, and uh, I mean, I love the the history of his um, of his air air exploits mm -hmm. uh, as a young pilot flying right. flying flying uh, skies that are so dangerous that that hundreds of his colleagues died in the sure, process right uh and and the worst the worst plane to fly in that period over the north atlantic in the winter was a something called the mosquito it was a wooden literally a wooden plane um and it it had, was subject to icing and but it was a beautiful plane and it was the fastest most maneuverable Kirk loved it because it was fast. Mm -hmm. Kirk loved it because it you could do Is things. Is that the one where he almost ran out of gas? Yes, he was. He was. He decided uh, to uh, try to set the record of for getting from from Gander or whichever place he took up uh, to uh, to Prestwick, and it was you know, if you could do it. And only way to to well, let's let's back up. This plane had an had a, a range of about fifteen hundred miles, and that flight was something more like. 2,500 miles. It was like a thousand miles beyond its range. But if you got a nice tailwind, which they called the uh, hur impossible. the Hurricane Express, <laughs> right? You get up there, you get into, the, and now there's no nobody's running that hurricane. Uh, you know that it's in charge of some creature uh, in the heavens. So uh, he would he, he he had been on he had done a couple trips where he where he set a record. He he'd set one. Um, uh, but it was then one of his uh, colleagues beat him by a few minutes. But in this particular case, he was, uh, they were halfway to Scotland and it stopped. The wind stopped, which meant that he couldn't, there was no, he, he, there was, it was going to be touch and go. They had, they had passed the point of no return. So he, because on the way to Scotland, he could have stopped off and got gas somewhere. If he could have, he would have, but uh -huh. he couldn't because he's over the Atlantic. Right. And in the way you'd usually make this trip would be hopping from port to from from uh, you go to um, Newfoundland, you go is you just go to Iceland, and then you cross someplace where sure. you got about a five hundred mile uh, flight instead of uh, twenty five hundred. And so any so his his. Um, his his the, the spot he was in is he had gambled on the wind right and the wind stopped oh god so he's changing all the settings he's trying he's going to nurse this plane uh the rest of the way to scotland and uh and and they get somewhere near scotland and he's and he, where he has radio contact and they say well 
we've got low low ceiling, uh, bad visibility, you know, f fog, and, and, mm -hmm. and so he's going to be it's night. He's been coming in at night in fog and and no drizzle, visibility, no visibility, and no no gas. So so he actually made the decision to to abandon ship to ditch. Yeah, he kicked open the the hole in the bottom of the cockpit and his and told his uh, navigator jump and he'd be right behind him and the navigator was so distraught a young a young kid because it was water right it's water okay, and it's, and it's mind, winter we're be dead. we'll be dead in five minutes you know right. 10 minutes whatever you're, you're it's it's icy atlantic and uh and the kid was literally in tears and please we'll be dead mm -hmm. let's try and so kirk wouldn't have tried because it's a bad it's a bad risk Mm -hmm. But it, with this kid's permission, he went. He he went in. He went. Uh, he's nursing it. He's expecting the plane to die at any minute because the gas gas gauge is literally it's the pinned on in, on empty, and so he's coming in in the dark into the fog into the and if and 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 no gas, and uh, and when they f clear the fog. They're they're right they're right there. And right. So he pulls he 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 lands, and then he and then he realized his 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 legs were shaking so much that he couldn't maneuver the plane. After once it came to a stop by gravity, mm. and his he was his legs were shaking. He had he, had, he was just shot, and 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 they sat there for uh, about ten minutes, and then he drives it over to the parking area and it died before he could, before he pulled, I mean, before, before mm. he turned it off, it turned itself off. So right. he was, he was minutes from, from disaster. And he was, wasn't he buying surplus planes or something yeah. like that? Well, when the war was over and he was, it was no longer making those crossings in the North Atlantic, um, he, he, he realized that he that airplanes that were surplus to the military now could be purchased for nothing comparatively yeah. and then sold uh, to to new uh, air airlines he could he could redo them and stuff yeah, yeah. become yeah. they become uh, cargo planes for lots of people sure. lots of companies all over north and south america mm -hmm. so he uh, he he purchased one of his and he had he had started a little a little charter uh, out of montebello and this is where he he, um, uh, he started coming to Las Vegas, for instance, bringing mm -hmm. customers or char people that would charter him for a ride over. Right. But but in in Hawaii there were um, like there were six or seven of these essentially military versions of a DC three, two engine props, and they were had been taken to Hawaii on ships. <laughs> right. But because they had they had the capacity, they had the the fuel capacity to go from island to island, but not to not to the mainland. Right. Without you know, so they put extra uh, fuel tanks and and even then you had to be careful. Right. And so he uh, like a flying gas can is what it, it was is. when you filled it up. Well, right? there's a there's a gas tank right behind you now. Right it's under you, it's in your wings, and there's the, with the one spare right. sitting right behind your back, and 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 Kirk filled it himself because he his life depended on having a full tank. Right. The problem is, uh, if I if I can explain it, is you know a DC three sits on its tail right and so it's at a the it's, it's a tail dragger yeah. it, 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 so it's not yeah and it's so it's 
its first fuselage is at an angle, downward angle, and when you that gas tank that's been put on the backs behind uh, on the in the cargo area, that that gas tank, if you because it's at an angle, when you fill it with fuel, it, it won't fill with the, the it starts to run out the out of the cap because mm-hmm. you're it's at an angle right so you can't you can't it's got to be flat it's got to be flat up, right? so when you're up in the air it's flying flat you see oh my goodness i didn't fill it up but they'd filled it as far as they could mm-hmm. so it would have been better if they would have lifted the tail up it would have been much better because what happened is kirk is on this particular flight he uh everybody's asleep uh, and he kicks back puts it on autopilot and dozes off himself but as it's <laughs> saying the story it was the silence that woke him up. All of a sudden, he woke up because there wasn't any engine running. Oh, wow. So you're out there in the middle of the Pacific. And all of a sudden, it's quiet. It's quiet. Now, restarting a plane in flight after the t- tank has gone dry is tough. is tough because you get air airlocks. Um I mean, if it had just switched over to, it would have been fine. But this this didn't. It switched off. It didn't switch over, and um, so he's got a, he's he's descending, mm-hmm. and uh, through through the clouds and through some thunderstorms, and and the uh, his navigator sends out an SOS. Yeah, I mean, get, they got that back on the mainland. Actually, they did. Yeah, and there was it was making uh, radio headlines right. at, at the time. So, aviators lost in the middle of the Pacific. Yeah, uh, and uh, and and then he's he's has to get it started, and and he's descended from eleven thousand feet down to four thousand feet before he gets it started again. Which, by the way, over the ocean is nothing. It's not yeah. even a mile. No. I mean, you can see the waves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was in the middle of the night. so uh, Which is worse to me. Oh, yes. Less visibility. Yeah. No one's going to find you. Not a chance. Not a chance. I mean, chance. you're dead, man. And yeah. and uh, the, the, the Coast Guard was notified. They, well, it'll take us, uh, you know, four days to get there. Right. Or whatever from the, because it was so far out. So it was no point in even dispatching a crew. But he got it restarted because what? He had fuel tanks in the back, and they well, were well. They, yeah, they, those they did have fuel tanks. They just it, it they had the fuel. It just that at that point they hadn't they they didn't expect the first tank to go dry, mm-hmm. and therefore they hadn't switched. Oh, I. And so when it but when it stopped when it stopped when it didn't kick when they didn't kick it over and, and keep it running right they had to face the possibility of airlocks. And uh, so the 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 the, um, the suspense was quite severe. So, I'm sure it was. And they had to and they had to make up for the fact that they were they don't have as much fuel as they thought they had uh, to get them to all the way to San Francisco. So they started throwing things out. They're throwing out wrenches. They're throwing out toolkits of all kinds. They're they're throwing out. Imagine if you're in the ocean like a ship and they're yeah. throwing shit out of a plane. Well, and and Kirk, you know, he's a big he's big on having a plan B. Mm-hmm. For all of his uh, adventures, there was a uh, a big yellow uh, inflatable raft back there that he said, uh, "Just don't don't throw that out. We may need it." Yeah, don't so, throw the raft out. Exactly. We might need that raft. Exactly, because they're they're thinking, "At worst comes the worst, we're going to be we're gonna ditching. The water. We're right, going to ditch right. at some point because we may not get to San Francisco with what we've got left in our tank." Right. So that's uh, how, and, how did he? How did he? Uh, how did he make the transition to Vegas? Like he, he was, he was in Fresno, 
Well, he was born in Fresno. Right. But how did he make the transition to Vegas? Like, what was the first emphasis? Was it the flying people here? Was it the gambling? What what brought yeah. him to Vegas in the first place? Yeah, it was it was the uh, the gambling and and the uh, and the plane. I mean, he 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 started coming to Vegas with um, um, a, a fellow who was a scrap metal. Uh, um, uh, what a collector! Uh, he turned he turned scrap into uh, recycled scrap, and mm -hmm. so he's a big big deal scrap collector. Mm -hmm. In the aftermath of the war, um, when there was a lot of big boom and boom in um, and because um, metals had been such a rarity, right? Um, but anyway, he was yes he he started bringing this guy over because he was a big gambler. He was a Kirk called him a he's a great businessman. He said uh, I I couldn't call him a great gambler. <laughs> he said but everybody loses in gambling. So um, but this guy loved to do it, and Kirk got hooked on 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 the risk and the game and and. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and so that that was a big part of it, and then he got be friends with people over here, and he began and he started getting a, a business for his charter service to actually uh, collect you know, collect customers for for specific uh, casinos as well. So he was um, uh, he was a it was all in the aftermath of the war, um, and in the. What, what what really made him money though? Because I, I know that when he owned MGM, I mean by then you have to have some money to buy something like MGM. Oh, right? oh yeah, that that came later. <laughs> the the at the at early um, in in the early sixties, Kirk made his first investment. He he really wanted to be in the game in the gaming business, mm -hmm. and he he um, the Dune, Dunes was new and in trouble, mm -hmm. and he. Thought, didn't, didn't he lose though there? Oh, he did. He lost, right? Ah, but he put it. He, he put up. He, he was willing to do a hundred and fifty thousand, uh, but the uh, the state of Nevada only limited him to fifty one uh, percent mm -hmm. for fifty, and he lost it almost instantly. So he was feeling like he was lucky that he didn't lose a hundred and fifty. But but he he took it as a lesson. He said this after that he didn't want to have any investments in anything that he, didn't he, control. that he didn't control. Right. Exactly. And so for him, that was a, a you know, $50,000 lesson. Right. But he, but after that, but his, his, um, when he, the investment he made with buying that piece of land that turned out to be Caesar's, that was the game changer changer. Because when he, when Sarno took it, took that one on, it, it guaranteed Kirk, um, uh, something like three million a year. I mean, it was. Well, they paid him rent, right? They paid him rent and a percentage. Percentage of the Caesars. Yeah. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah, and but what worried him is he might have to run the place because that was he. It was it was Kirk, and the uh, and the Teamsters State uh, Central States Pension Fund that were funding Sarno, and then the mobsters were. It was had a mobster. Uh, it was his. Um, uh, uh, the the gaming floor manager, the right. pit boss. Right. Um, well, I, didn't they kind of like Jay Sarno have to install some people that were mobsters to run it or whatever? That's what happened. But yeah. he, but he, he, Kurt always got paid. Kurt always got paid. Kirk once once the mobsters were making news, Kirk moved out of the 
moved. He had a he had an office in these in Caesars. He right. he left that and just to get some separation, because um, he he didn't approve of it, but he didn't have any say about that. Right. All he was was the landlord. He was the owner of the land. Yeah. Right. He, he was the landlord. Well, uh, so would you? I mean, I just is irrelevant to this point. But what ended up happening with that? Because I mean, obviously, did, how long did he stay the landlord before he sold his position? Uh, I'd have to go back and, yeah. and look at my own book. Um, it, it was a while. Because I don't know that it was in the book, was it? That what, what he actually did with Caesars? Uh, well, he turned it into into money. I mean, into value, into right. power. Um, he he um, he got sold he, the lease or he, something. Yeah, he went he, he, circus circus. He had a piece of that. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he got his brother into. I mean, it, it was well. That's one thing. That's a good transition. One thing about his sister and his brother. Kurt was very loyal to his family. Right? Oh. His brother owned uh, like a sandwich shop or some sort, right? Kurt well, gave him something called uh, it was a nightclub. Yeah, it was. Um, and and Nish, his name, uh, he, he was a boxer before Kurt right. was, and had his brain. Scrambled. But isn't it still yeah. here, Nish's, Nish's place? I'm not sure. No, but isn't it behind uh, Bally somewhere over on the behind the Flamingo? There's a little. Uh, place there wasn't that Nish's place. I but I know that he had a, he had a restaurant, right? Yeah, it was a restaurant nightclub, and 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 Nish uh, was a gambler too, and 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 not as good at it as Kirk, mm -hmm. and not as careful with about it. So Nish was constantly having to sell uh, points in his restaurant in, in nightclub. Kirk gave it to him uh, mm -hmm. free, uh, lock, stock, and and uh, and liquor, and um, but but Nish over time had to. Yeah, he didn't want to keep going back to his brother. Right. Well, I, his brother was a gambler. Obviously, the, the you talk about him being with the Lowe's family, people he was friends oh, with over yeah. there, and that sort of $1 oh. million dollar chip. Right? Oh, isn't that a fun one? That's, that's, a, great that's a good story. That's a great story. Yeah, and you know, that's a story that, uh, one of those stories that I got at, toward the end. Oh, really? Uh, the, um, oh, what's his name? I mean, I'm sure there were some people that were instrumental in helping you write the book, like, who was the most instrumental, or can you tell us who was the most instrumental? Well, Terry Christensen was huge. Oh, Terry cooperated. He did. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, did, I can't remember. It, it was Terry From the beginning. Oh, from the beginning. Yeah. Did Terry end up, because of the Anthony Pelicano thing, going to jail? Yes, he did. Really, he kind of got screwed there, didn't oh, he? Oh, absolutely. They really, they really kind of they used him. treated Terry. For, for, when yeah. you say they used him, who used him? Uh, the... the um, uh, the government. Because I think Kurt was pretty f viciously loyal to Terry Christensen. Wasn't he a big fan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, and, and, I mean, I think it, it hurt Kirk a ton that, that, that happened to, to, right. uh, to Terry. Uh, and, but Terry was, was, uh, he was, he, he really was a, uh, a son to, uh, to Kirk. I mean, it's just. So let me, I, I can't recall all the characters, but I know who Terry Christensen is. Was he the Marine? Yes. So he was the Marine, right? And yes. he was Kurt's lawyer. He worked at the Bowser Law Firm. Is yes. that right? That's right. And then he ended up ultimately coming to work for Kurt, did he not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it had, had a pretty pivotal role there. He was, he was more than a lawyer. He was a confidant. He was. Is uh, Terry still around? He is. How he old is. is Terry now? <sighs> he's, older than I, he's older than I am. He's older than you. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Wow, I I, I know he was he was involved in a big way. Oh yeah, no, he's after. Um, that was the whole Stephen Bing thing, right? 
Uh, well, yeah. Well, the Pelicano thing was the Bing thing, the, right? Yeah. Well, Bing. Um, yeah. Why was Patty Glazer? I get Kurt's a quiet man. I and I, I remember the flash mob thing, and I I know he was like, oh my oh, god, mortified. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But why was, why do they not want the story to be told about you know how penny penny penniless dropout. Kirk Corian became the greatest deal maker in capitalist history. <laughs> no. Why do they not want that story told? Well, I, they didn't hire me. I understand, but they haven't so, hired anybody. Well, I know. But I mean, I, and why does not? Why does Linda or uh, um, or Tracy. Tracy not want it told? I don't know. Um, I mean, offered, their dad I, had like a monumental effect on people's lives. Yes. We already know that Andre Agassi was named. You know, Andre Kurt Agassi, yep, right? Yep. We know this is a guy story that needs to be told. If more people did business with the way Kirk Kokorian did, yes. I mean, I'm fiercely loyal to the people that are loyal to me. And mm -hmm. and I have people all the time saying, you should get rid of that guy. This guy is a screw up. Is that? But he's done. There are certain people here that have done things for me when I was down and out. And I'm fiercely loyal to him. And I, 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 I so resonate with this book. I cannot... I those cannot tell you those people, those same people, the ones that are that were fiercely loyal to Kirk, yeah. they all wanted that story told. I mean, I mean, the ones that that were, um, I, I, I the, how can I put this? Because I don't want to denigrate anybody who didn't help me, um, but so many of them uh, didn't have anything to gain by helping me. Uh, and they did mm -hmm. uh, because they wanted Kirk's story told. Right. And I was doing it. And and uh, the fact that is, I'm an independent writer, I'm a journalist, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a, um, an authorized biography. Right. But he would never have authorized anyone. No, he wouldn't have. Uh, although the one book that was done about him before, back in the 70s, by an L.A. Times reporter, by the way, um, he cooperated. Mm -hmm. unofficially and you can tell he's he's even quoted but not by name i, I mean i know mm -hmm. but as a journalist i, I know he, that had to come from the man himself right just based on how what kind of insight it had sure so i know i, I know that he did cooperate but he didn't want to do it officially um but uh but, but i i had i had uh, wives, girlfriends, uh, business partners, uh, his, his I, I name a bunch of them in the, in the mm -hmm. thanks because they were so important right. to the, to being able to tell that story mm -hmm. with authenticity and accuracy. When did Scotia die? Uh, when was that? You know, what's funny about that is that yeah. like, like how a guy could just get a dog, yeah, but he had to have that dog. Right. Um, and had to have the house ready for Scotia, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, something that I understand it. Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you remember? I, do you do you know how young the pup the dog was at the time? I don't remember. Is it in the book? <laughs> well, I don't know how young it was when yeah. when he got Scotia, right? Because yeah. it's really the travel agent guy who had Scotia, and then he wanted it and negotiated yeah. a trip to California. Yes, and all yes. Stuff to get you know, get the dog was, over there. It was in Hawaii, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it was like Charles Place or something, right? Yes. He yes, like that, leased out Charles that's Place. Right, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, uh, that, that dog just won his heart. So uh, 
whatever age it was. Right. But yeah, and, and then he, and then you know, like once you once you're in love with a with a pet, it's mm-hmm. you're all in. And he was. I was. Uh, you know, it's funny. Some things that have affected me. I'm always generous to valets and waiters and waitresses. And in this town, they remember you for doing that. But Kurt was notoriously generous, right? Yeah. But he, the part that I love, the best part of of this part about being generous was that he applied for credit cards as one of the richest guys <laughs> in America. Yeah. And they rejected him. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt Kerkorian did, didn't have any credit. Did not have credit. People, people that he was, you know, who were uh, working for him had credit. Sure, <laughs> they could get get a credit card. But Kirk actually applied for a, a diners club right. or Man- Amex, I don't know, and was rejected when he was a multimillionaire. Right, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of my favorite stories was the uh, on the generosity part. Part is the uh, the story of he had. He was in New York and was uh, racing to LaGuardia to the catch for his plane. Um, when he realized he he'd forgotten to tip the maids back at the Pierre Hotel, and he ordered the driver. I think this was Yamanijian, Ordered him turn around. We got to go back. And he went back to, into the city in order to leave a tip for the maids at the hotel. Now, how, how did he how did he meet Alex by the way? Do you how, you know how Alex came to work for him or not? Well, I mean you wouldn't I know that a lot of questions I'm having for you. Like I I to be fair to you, <laughs> you 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 will I need to read my book. No, to be fair to you like you won't be able to leave. I mean, we're having dinner tonight, but like to be fair, like this this is there's so much there were so many great things in here about Lee Iacocca. Uh, yeah. And Lisa Bonder mm-hmm. and sort of some personal relationships he had. The loyalty from Bank of America, the special dividend that was paid out, all the things yes, that are like yes. amazing about this. And you were able to chronicle them. I'm just curious as to yeah. how did you gather it all? Because it's really like Kurt is a private guy. So you was a private guy. So you had to figure out how to like do this in some sort of chronological order. How did you do well, that? Well, eventually I I drafted a for myself a timeline of Kurt's life. That ran over a hundred pages, just you know, little lines of of everything he did, of, right? Yeah, of of just just in in uh, outline form, right? And it was, and and uh, and that timeline gave you gave me a sense of what was at stake at the time, you know, so that when things were going well, what was it, what what was it going on in the background, and mm-hmm. when when things started to go any sideways, what was going on in the background, so. The timeline was a huge asset to uh, um, to understand the dynamic of a moment, because um, that's it's more it's more than just this happened, this happened, this happened. What was what were the motivations? What were the risks? What were the yeah? You know, all that stuff has to be part of the story, and and to do that, I needed I needed people with great memories mm-hmm. and and heart who could tell me about the emotional aspect of it as well as. The facts of it, and uh, and it gave me a chance to, to to verify things, so that if I'm getting one version one place, I get a similar one somewhere else, and it helps to uh, to make it a uh, uh, more uh, more credible, and it gives you a chance to get different vi- sort of slices of the emotion that might be in play, hearing it from a business person, uh, CEO, or a, or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, or the kid that uh, t- that you know, t- gave him his uh, his his uh, uh, 
was his guru in the gym. I mean, it, Ron Falahi was. Yeah. Ron is Ron Falahi still around? Yeah, yeah, he's he is. He's he's. I think he just turned eighty. Really? But yeah, he looks forty. He's the workout guy, right? Oh, he's wonderful. He's like he's, they called him his valet, right? Back he, then they were well. Called the valet. He was he was his steward on the plane, mm -hmm. his steward on the yacht, mm -hmm. his uh, cook in the house, uh, his his uh, he, he provided all of his um, uh, athletic training mm -hmm. and. Uh, um, uh, carried his weights, uh, carried Kirk's weights uh, along on the on the trips. Uh, I mean, he he saw Kirk as a human being in a way that almost nobody else did. Sure, even as wives and and girlfriends, Ron Ron was uh, Ron was special, and so his cooperation, his help, his his insights are enormously valuable in the story in telling Kirk's story. Yeah. Wow. One of the, one of one of my many favorite parts, which people probably don't realize that you 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 put in the book that I never even knew, was that he owned MGM Film Studios, the sort of grand, uh, a third of all movies ever made or something, really incredible, right? And he decided to bring Leo the Lion to Vegas Strip, right, which was controversial at the time, right? He was going to make the MGM. But it was brilliant. Was it, it? It was brilliant, and basically, the MGM made more money effectively than MGM ever made, right? In terms of a film oh, studio, yes, yes, right. And then ultimately, he separated MGM, the gaming company, from MGM, the movie studio. So, how did you find out about that? And what was what? what what's what's the what was like? I mean, I guess walking people through this is that he made a decision to transition into two public companies mm. and create, I mean, he took MGM and created MGM, the gaming company. Right. And, and you spoke to everyone about that. What was the feedback on well, like that well, when that decision was made? Well, his, his, his belief in the, in the logo, mm -hmm. the, the lion, the, the MGM. Leo, the lion. Leo, right? Yeah. But the, the fact that, that MGM was such a class, um, uh, classy, um, outfit to him mm -hmm. it was it was if you could wear that symbol on your on your jacket you know your your it says something about you it uh, reflects well on you in business as well as in films and so he just spread it around um, uh, the people that helped me on that are, are probably in the footnotes because um, i i was very uh, very grateful for that stuff yeah, but but people don't realize it's like Siegfried and Roy, the Tiger Act. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. these people owe their start to Kirk Akorian. They certainly owe their stardom. Yes, right. Yeah. Their stardom, right? Yeah. And and he said, just uh, yeah, yeah. You work, you you work for the best. You know, you <laughs> just you're, keep polishing you're in, those. You're those, MGM. Polish those three them, letters. The three right. letters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So when when you when you you're, you're you're writing the book. More people are cooperating. Um, did you get any grief about making it any further from Patty Glazer, or from that point on, was no? Did you not get any well, grief she about didn't, it? She she wasn't overtly uh, unhelpful <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. um, the and the fact is there there were there were some people who were reluctant. There's always there's always yeah, reluctance. For sure. And and. Um, and I, I was patient uh, with them as much as I could be. I had a deadline, but, but 
what I thought was going to be a year took two. Uh, and then it took a year to write it. So um, it doesn't happen. Writing is not uh, not a is not a speed sport. What what didn't make the book? I mean, oh. what I mean, there's so much he's done. I mean, we didn't cover. I do e- have even in, even even in this even in this interview, right? With that takeover of Chrysler, the 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 different investing he was doing, including Chrysler, the Bear Stern story, mm-hmm. which which you know obviously uh, Alex portrays in there about. You know, you're dead to us, basically, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, you don't tell Babe Ruth how to hold the bat, there kind of thing. Go. These are yeah. this book is just full of it, right? Yeah, like, tons of stuff is incredible in there. Yeah, but what didn't get in the book? Well, there's a story I heard after I was done, after the book came out, after the paperback even came out. Mm. It's just it's too late. But I, I love it, and I tell the story. Uh, Robert Papizian, who is a an, another Armenian right. family, his 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 father was a a friend of of Kirk's, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were na- neighbors. He, and Kirk, would, he was one of the guys that would come over. Uh, the father would come over to Kirk's place on football day, and you know, bet on the bet on the games, and uh, and and back when uh, uh, Bob Robert uh, little. When he was a kid of uh, mm-hmm. ten or eleven years old, he was invited to come along with Kirk and his father on a gambling trip to uh, to Vegas, just mm-hmm. a quick one, because it, they weren't going to stay. Mm-hmm. Just come on over, and you know, Kirk flew. Kirk was the pilot; he flew his own plane. Oh wow! Yeah, and so they come over, and and there may be a, some somebody else in this trip, but the but the Papizians. Uh, the dad goes off and to gambling. The, the kid just has, you know, just, just has an adventure in, in Las Vegas. He's too young to be in the casinos. So that's how he's a kid. But uh, he remembered that Kirk had a uh, had a, a valise or a, a briefcase of some kind that he brought with him, and uh, it it turned out it was it had fifty thousand dollars in it, mm. cash, and uh, Kirk went off to the ga- gamble and. Uh, they met back at the plane at the appointed hour, maybe two, three hours later. And uh, Robert remembers that they took off. Kirk didn't have the briefcase anymore, mm-hmm. where if he did, it was empty. Mm-hmm. And they took off. Kirk gets up to cruising altitude and immediately puts the plane in a dive. And they're looking around, what's going on here? But they're, they're diving for... Uh, for the longest time, if you're in the in the back seat, mm. <laughs> and and then he pulls it up and he says, "I needed to get that out of my system." So this is the guy, Kirk, the guy that you can never tell if he's winning or losing. Right. He had just lost that fifty thousand and he was feeling it. <laughs> so, really. So 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 Papazian, the Papazians were um, were witnesses that he sometimes. Showed his feelings once in okay, <laughs> yeah. once in a while. <laughs> you lose fifty grand just in a man two hours. Did you get a sense on? I want to talk business, so I don't really want to talk about Lisa Bonder, but mm. um, did you get a sense about the Western? Era? I, I guess I'm almost lost with how much stuff is in here, right? Uh, I mean, just really amazing stuff, right? Um. You know, he tied. He tried to take over Chrysler. Yes, and ultimately made a lot of money with Chrysler. Right? Yeah, he failed and made uh, something like a couple uh, billion, right? Couple billion, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
But did you get a sense that that like what what possessed him that suddenly he was a guy who could you know, he bought, you know, a big stake control of, of Western uh, Airlines. Mm -hmm. um, he tried to buy Columbia Pictures. Um, he well, actually owned a big portion of Columbia well, Pictures. Well, if, if you go back to that period, this is we're talking the late 60s, mid late 60s. Right. He did. He bought uh, tried to buy. The automobile uh, uh, company Chrysler. He tried to buy a bought Western. Uh, he uh, had a big chunk of it, uh, and uh, and he bid on MGM. Right. The what's common about those three? They are in. They're all about leisure. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's driving, uh, uh, consumer or, brands, basically. Yeah. Well, it's it's it's. He called it. He, he said, "No, this is." Uh, he he put all of those together in something he called the leisure industry. Mm -hmm. It was Kirk's invention. It was Kirk's idea it, that that uh, with the the economy that was coming out of the '60s was going to be. Uh, people had time. People had money. People wanted entertainment. They had film, drive, travel, mm -hmm. see the world, uh, catch a plane, go somewhere, have, a, have vacations, and, and Las Vegas. Did he actually ever have a direct relationship with Howard Hughes? Like, did they spend any time together, or was it just they were rivals in the same city? Oh, they, uh, Kirk was a big fan of Howard Hughes before. Because he's an aircraft guy. Right? Yeah, he's a, he considered he, – he had seen uh, – um, Howard Hughes get off a plane once with a newspaper under his arm and his flight mm -hmm. jacket and his hat, and he thought, "Wow, that guy looks like a pilot." That's it's right. He was like, "That's that's my image." Right. And um, um, but he thought he thought uh, well, he Kirk 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 had this in, this period when he was putting junk buying junk planes and fixing them. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things he did, and this is in the early fifties. He he bought a, uh, a a a constellation, you know the old. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so one he bought one that uh, crashed in England and and uh, didn't wasn't demolished. It was a you know kind of a, a bad mm -hmm. landing, right? <laughs> and it needed a new left wing and a new nose cone. He, and but he bought it from the insurance company. They totaled the plane, and, mm -hmm. and he bought it for one hundred and fifty thousand instead of the usual seven hundred and fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so he thought, it's weird well, to me, you can just buy a plane, put a new wing on it, but okay. Well, so what he thought is, well, I'll, I'll keep that and, and I'll find some parts to replace the one. Well, what happened was that Air France, uh, had a similar problem where their, one of their counties had a hard landing and it had a, it had a intact left wing or lost, I mean, it lost the opposite. It was the, yeah. the other wing yeah. and, and it had an intact nose cone. So he bought that one. And he had both uh, both planes shipped to to, to Bayonne, mm -hmm. New Jersey, where they set up a dock where they they called Splinterville, and they uh, put them and and Lockheed actually uh, set up uh, a factory a, a temporary factory so site there because they wanted to put those back together as one plane uh, to all the specs of, of they wanted for the, of us of the of the corporation of the right. of the fine anyway. It was, well, it was Howard Hughes who bought the Connies initially. Well, right? he's a, he was the father of them. He had, right. he designed them, uh, right. after a fashion. So, Kirk wanted to sell the Connie that he had just salvaged 
to Kirk, uh, to uh, Howard Hughes, and had meetings with him at, uh, at in uh, in Vegas. They would they would meet at uh, the the Thunderbird, and um, and but Kirk, in the end, Kirk couldn't. He he, he uh, Howard Hughes he complained about the uh, um, the size of the uh, air air uh, the 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 toilets or the you know the the lavatories on the plane he thought they were not and and so he, Kirk, Kirk's thinking of grand ideas Howard was down in the in the in, in the in, in the weeds in the weeds right and it never came together but he they, they were completely uh, friendly they had he, he liked them um, but it turns out that Howard Hughes kind of had it out for Kurt though right I mean well it, that's it, when be, you when that's you, before in your book you kind of <laughs> outline that after Howard Hughes is gone. The guy who was his right hand man came to Kurt and said, "Here's all the notes." And yeah, basically, yeah. Well, when, when Kirk when Kirk was building the biggest hotel in the world, Howard Hughes was buying hotel, the Desert Inn and several others, and so um, Howard was buying into uh, existing uh, uh, hotels and casinos. Kirk was making a new one. Is a new one, right. and so Kirk's the builder. Howard's the acquirer. Sure. And they and and Howard didn't But Kurt's the builder of the hotels. Yes. But of the acquirer of other assets like MGM. Yes. I mean Oh he, it's uh, right. And so what what you had though was with yeah, and, and Kirk was Kirk was in the movie business like Howard was in the had been in the movie business. You know? Right. So there was there was a lot of of um of uh, similarity to their path paths. But Kirk but Kirk loved competition he wanted competition mm -hmm. howard wanted monopoly yeah he wanted he wanted dominance he wanted right. to dominate There's, las vegas isn't big enough for for two kings of right. of uh, the gaming world so uh so kirk howard was working behind the scenes um to to undermine him. undermine him he right. offered to buy him out uh too i mean uh kirk kirk didn't even consider any of those offers, but they were made. Um, so they were rivals, but only once one was felt like a rival. Sure, <laughs> Kurt wasn't a rival to him. No, he, but but Howard thought saw Kurt as a rival. Exactly, exactly. Right, and 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 when once when how once Howard went over the you know over the uh, over the edge emotionally and mentally. Uh, Kirk just shook his head. He, he he was such had such respect for him, right? Uh, as a as a as a planner, a builder, sure. a a designer. Um, but um, but how big of a deal was it when he did this Elvis thing? I mean, in the book, it's it outlines that. But like, is there a way to like today's with how big entertainment is today to realize how big of a deal it was for Elvis to come perform and and how that changed the landscape? Because he well, he paid Elvis a lot of money. He did. He did. Uh, but uh, but even Elvis's uh, guy, uh, his, his agent, um, was reluctant uh, to make too big a deal of it because Elvis had been out of the out of the performing business and and in in movies he'd been doing he'd been doing yeah, films. Hawaiian but stuff he, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, some of the worst movies ever ever but, made. Uh, yeah. yeah. But but uh, but he was uh, had been off those off the um, the concert circuit. And he wasn't sure how popular Elvis would be, and that's his own guy. Uh, and Kirk flipped a coin essentially about well, who do I open with, uh, Bar Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand or Elvis? Elvis and right. they went with Barbara because uh, that was that was right after Funny Girl at, right. uh, on, on Broadway. So, um, 
He went with Barbara again later too with the oh. next MGM, right? He, he Barbara was great, and they have a, had a great relationship. Mm -hmm. um, Did uh, you get a chance to talk to Barbara? About no, him? I'd still like to do it. But mm -hmm. um, so if you hear, if you see her, yeah, yeah, um, is she still with James? <laughs> or with with James Brolin? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Anyway, I guess we'll have to ask, right? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't suspect Barbara will be giving interviews anytime soon, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. but um, I, you know, for the next edition. Sure. Um, but the thing about uh, Kirk that I think is important, to, this is a good context for it. Um, Kirk's, um, one of his CEOs said, the thing about the reason Kirk was, Kirk was, everybody who worked for him were lo was loyal to Kirk. Kirk Very loyal. Kirk. Kirk didn't demand loyalty. He inspired it. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and the person and, and I was told that this it, and it's in the in the book who who's this who who said this story, but he said um, he was a CEO of one of the uh, one of the versions of the company and said, thing about Kirk is he took all the risk and gave everyone else the credit. Right. So well, who wouldn't want to work for a guy like that? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's not like a Howard Hughes. It's not like, it's not like almost any. Uh, not like any, me. Yeah. Although I give a lot of people credit. Yeah. Trust me, I, it's, I do. It's, it's a, it takes a really big person. Mm -hmm. and it, and, but what it, what it instills is a, is a ironclad um, loyalty that. Uh, in, in the book, you, you describe the selling of the back lots of MGM and the sort of the garage sale that took place mm -hmm. of MGM, it, it's rather negative. I mean, it, was it as negative as it the book portrays? Because, well, because I mean, it made, be, it made Dorothy Debbie, slippers. It, it and, made Debbie Reynolds cry. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but but reality was that was a waste of money. Yes, it was. I mean, it was like he was like being practical in order to save the, the patient. You got to lose a little weight. Well, it was a part of, of the movie industry that's no longer valid and no longer works. Everybody, even then, they were starting to do uh, their films are being shot on location. They're not mm. shot in the back lot. Right. You had to have the reality of the real world. Right. And, and Kirk knew that sooner than Hollywood knew it. Right. And so they, Hollywood saw this as, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, pearl clutching time mm -hmm. uh, he's changing the world no the world had changed and they just didn't know it that you don't keep uh, right now a lot of this stuff has now been installed in uh, what's well, commonplace today well it, but, but what what he was selling off is a lot of it has come back into uh, the uh, the motion picture academy uh, mm -hmm. uh, museum in la mm -hmm. they've, they've recovered those kinds of things belong in museums but they do not belong in your back lot because you're paying rent. Yeah, like them. the steam trains and stuff yeah, like yeah. that and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Oh, well, it was it. You know, from the standpoint of of sentimentality, it was it was brutal. But he did his. Some of the people who work for him did do some really stupid things. Like, I guess in retrospect, you didn't know that Jaws was going to be a big hit, did you? Yeah. I mean, no one had a, how how can the how can you get the shark to do those those <laughs> things, right? Yeah, right. Um, right. But but he, I still. One of the questions I want to ask you was, is when you were investigating how Rain Man got made, mm. how did Rain Man get made for $25 million and Kurt not know it? In the book, it suggests that the guy hid it from Kurt because it was kind of under the radar. Is $25 million under the radar for Kurt? Uh, well, that's... that's there was a movie a, being made for $25 yeah. million. 
well, with I, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. I'm not sure how soon the 25 million was apparent. Um, it's just like slowly a slow burn mm, or something. Yeah, I, it's like an expense account. You know, I, I, the, what it cost the LA Times for me to do some of my projects was mostly time, but eventually it, it hits the bottom line. Right, and uh, and so uh, I'm sure that's what happened here to some degree. But but this is when when the uh, the guy he had, let's see, who was it? I'm I'm blanking on all the all the characters. There was a director, mm -hmm. and there was the the guy running MGM at the time. Uh, there was a lot of support for this from people he trusted. Right, and he and he and Kirk's position was trust the people, trust your team. Right. And and um, so he is not a guy. Kirk was not a guy to 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 uh, micromanage anything, but especially um, not things he didn't know much about. Did you did you have fun making the book? I, mean, I loved did you it. love it. Making the I book? did. I did. It was uh, the the people I met, the uh, stories I heard. I, 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 I knew it was a great story. And my only worry was that. Uh, just get out of the way and let let it right. unfold because it was too. It was just you don't get stories like this right. every day. Are, are you the only one that since the seventies that have written a book about Kirk Gregorian? Uh Well, uh, there there was a book written in the seventies about Kirk when he was. But I mean, is there any other books that you I know don't, of? No, I don't. Uh, why Why do you think that is? Like, wh how is it possible? <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's articles written about him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and in, in Vegas, obviously, he's a legend. There's stuff named after him. But yeah, why why do you suppose it, 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 there's been so few things written about him? Well, when when you have one that has all the stories in it, what else is left? Well, I know. But even before <laughs> that, even before he passed away, oh, and I know the fact that it hadn't been done. Well, the fact that uh, that that my first my first call back from the from his side of the of the world was no, thank you, get get lost essentially. Mm -hmm. um, that is a damper. Put the damper on most re reporters because they don't want to fight that fight, right? Yeah, yeah. They want people that are going to cooperate. Yeah, they, well, of course. I mean, you want to find sources, and if and it, when they declare in advance that they're, they're, they're right. you're going to have actually opposition to it, it's it's a it's a. I, so how how does Elizabeth Hurley and Lisa Bonder <laughs> and Kirk Kikorian and Anthony Pelicano all have something in common? I'm curious. When Steve Bing killed himself recently, yeah, were you surprised? Well, yeah, I guess I was. Uh, you don't, I, I, I don't didn't know him. You didn't get a chance to talk to Steve. No, and I, again, all of his material came right out of the court records. Right. Um, uh, and and you know he he was, um, and then the people that dealt with him like uh, like, um, uh, and it was, he was, he was he was an interesting figure, but I never felt like he, um, you know, Kirk didn't. Kirk didn't embrace him. He wasn't. He wasn't an enemy. They were. He he ended up getting. Um, Kirk ended up getting get, helping uh, Bing. Um, uh, but he. But he. Oh, he I don't sued, know this part. Hold he on a sued, He sued. Well, he sued Kirk for a couple billion for, uh, for supposedly. Steve for, Bing sued Kurt for a couple billion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be for, for what uh, reason? Uh, for going through his garbage. Yeah, but he put that stuff in the public domain. 
Of course he did. The, the garbage is public. Garbage, I mean, garbage those of you belong. watching the show, if you don't be morons, if you put stuff in the garbage, yeah. you're not, you're not, you don't have privilege. You don't have privacy. So <laughs> no, don't burn your garbage then first, man. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Use a shredder. That, that case didn't go anywhere. No, no, it didn't. But it was annoying. Um, but it, you know, it, it, it suggested that Kirk might have might, might be have a grudge. If he, but you know, Kirk never carried a grudge. Right. Anywhere, anytime. But Lisa Bonder's daughter, uh, we know now, wasn't Lisa, wasn't Kirk Kerkorian's daughter, right? Correct. Clear as day. There's no question about Scientifically that. Scientifically proven. Right. And it was Steve Bing's daughter. Yes. Right. Yes. Do you think that in the book that she's portrayed accurately? I mean, it, it seems like to me... Who, the daughter or the... No, Lisa. Lisa. It seems like to me Lisa, it just really is apparent in the book, at least, that she... I mean, you actually listen to how much she provided her, and it's really quite uh, sad, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you think it was a sad story, or did you? Oh, think yeah, it was definitely a, a sad story, and and um, sad on on Kirk's part. Uh, he, he was mostly saddened by the, by her. I mean, he was a he was was he fond of the girl? He was very fond. He was he he loved her. That's why he kept coming back for for uh, more abuse. <laughs> he know? loved Lisa or the baby? Uh, both. Oh, so he was fond of Lisa too. Yeah, but yeah. she couldn't keep her mouth shut. Apparently, right? I mean, what I read, she was a talker about everything and the, everything that Kirk despised as being private. He wanted to be private. Well, she, she was trying to be public. She put it in the public domain. She didn't just talk about it. She put it on the record in court. And uh, that was where she crossed the line for Kirk. I mean, right. he, he had to fight back just uh, for um, um, for his rights, uh, mm -hmm. if nothing else. But now that was, I mean, uh, to me, that was the, Kirk's only regrets in life, I think, were would be about his his uh, his relationships with women, but but his first wife um, left he, him. She left him. Yeah, divorced him. But but she didn't. But they 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 stayed married for a long time though. No, actually, that was his second wife. Oh, the first wife. First oh. wife, Peggy. Peggy, who he met at the Palladium on a, on a dance oh, night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. before the war, they got married. In 1941, 42, after, after they got married after uh, Pearl Harbor, because mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, the world was going crazy, right? So, and he was uh, going off to be a flight instructor, uh, and they were together for about eight years, uh, eight, nine, ten. Uh, but they didn't have kids together. They did not. They tried, and it didn't work. Right, but but for that p point being, is that that was a relationship of his, but not instrumental in his well, in, in, his in who he became. Building. No, but it it. it took him out of action for a while he he mm -hmm. um he went into a deep depression he even took uh, uh electro electric shock treatments to uh get him out of it decided it wasn't worth it <laughs> but, uh you know i'm it's funny i my first wife left me and i was very depressed it was oh, like well, a terrible situation yeah yeah, yeah. You know, that's I, just, I know the feeling yeah yeah so it was understandable that uh, that was a such a blow and um and then he met uh, Gene Hardy, uh, who was a, a dance and uh, a singing dancer at at the Thunderbird. But she seemed to be very loyal to him, even after mm -hmm. they separated. Yes. she didn't want a divorce. They right. stayed together they did, for exactly. a long time, and then yeah. she remarried pretty quickly after divorce. But it appeared to me 
that she was still loyal to him in some way because he took care of her. Absolutely. And she was not that kind of vindictive. It was a very healthy relationship, even in divorce, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's and, where you had Tracy and Linda, right? With Well, he had Tracy. Linda was adopted. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, they wanted to make sure Linda, that Tra Tracy had a sibling. Yeah. Was he? Did I read in the book that he was like he didn't think he was super fertile or something like that? Yeah, he thought he, he, he it was all exactly. that flying probably and all that trauma, whatever. Right. He he. he I don't think he um, he was surprised. I think that they that he that uh, Jean got pregnant the first time, um, but it wasn't going to happen again probably. And mm. um, so they didn't. Well, I didn't know to... Linda that you learn something new all the time. I, <laughs> I don't think in the book you said she was adopted. Yeah, but it, it's kind of a small matter. And it, it's right. Not, it, and and was he, she just a little and, baby. And and yeah, and she was an infant. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um and Kirk, of course, he named his his investment company Tracinda. Right. Uh, but it's a it's uh, take off of Linda and Tracy. Yeah. Right. And then Lindsay is or how I, yeah Linda the Linda reverses it and that becomes his. Uh, philanthropy uh oh really uh, arm so he was uh you know these and they they went on um family vacations together with Kurt, with uh Cary grant and his his kids right and, and, they were all good friends yeah i know that he uh the armenian community i mean they kind of worshiped kirk right oh, i mean he was kirk kirk <laughs> kirk was uh named the 15th uh after after the night of the 1988 earthquake that he he, sure. he put he put together a, a, a airlift an, an airlift yeah. that that's on the order of the berlin airlift yeah, exactly. although he funded it right um but they they've they, they named him a uh, one of their saints i mean he he's, yeah. he he's one i mean these are he's like the 15th saint and that goes back to you know the dawn of christianity um right and, and well because well, there's an armenian pope and stuff like yeah, that yeah two of them very similar to <laughs> Myself growing up Greek Orthodox, huh, yes, and, yes. And, and and so my only connection to Kurt, besides my massive admiration for him, and you know me setting up a company named after my kids, very similar Micaiah yeah. and my name of my kids and my wife and okay. all this other stuff, is uh, he attended the Greek Orthodox Church here because there was no Armenian church. Oh, okay. And that's how my aunt knew him. Oh, right. okay. That, right. Yeah. What's the name of the church? Oh, I couldn't tell. I think it's in the book, actually. Yeah, I think I it actually is. think it's in the book because uh, because the gambler that died. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, dude, yeah. This book is like amazing. <laughs> it's it's astonishing. This yeah. book. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I can't express it. I can't express it. And yeah. and uh, I promised I'd get you back. And I don't know if we'll ever do an interview again. I hope we do. No, sure. We didn't cover the whole book. No, no and not even close. We're not even close. No. Um. I and. And what what do you like? I mean, just before we leave, what are you doing now? Like this, I mean, to me, I can't understand why this like isn't like the great. I, it's one of the best business books ever written. Like a, it's like a quasi autobiography, but business advice book at the same time. It is mm. truly the a masterpiece. The insight oh, is thank you. Yeah. is incredible, and yeah. I'm going to do everything I can <laughs> for everyone to be able to read this book. And I know it was a national bestseller, but it's just not. It's just not. It's it's bigger than that. I I think it's worth everybody seeing. Yes, it, Kirk is the reason. It's not it's not the writer. It's the story he lived. Right. So ninety eight years he lived. By the way, what are you doing next? Like what do you, what do you what's in what's what are you doing? What are you I, working I, on? I have some other book projects that are underway that I 
I'll tell you about when they when they have. I hope so. I hope <laughs> you'll come back. But I, the the question for me is, of all the books you've written, and it, this doesn't have to be your favorite, but I want to know. I know you've written a lot of books. What's your favorite thing you've written by far? It doesn't matter what it is because I know oh. you have other books, and I'm well, gonna definitely on this pod on this podcast. We're gonna have your other books up with links to your stuff, oh, so we're excellent. gonna have them all up there. Well, the, my favorite piece of writing mm -hmm. is a story that ran in the LA Times about 20 years ago. And it's the story of how my family came over from the old country in a boat with a bunch of Armenians and Greeks mm -hmm. uh, and arrived with, uh, when my dad was an infant, but they came from Ukraine. In the last time there was a big war going on there. Oh, wow. Or, well, maybe the first time it was, you know, back in the, uh, in the 20s. So it, I, 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 what I did is I found the ship that uh, they came over in. And I went back and found as many people who were the families of those of those that specific bunch of immigrants. And so what I did was turn it, turn the the old SS Washington, which was owned by a, a Greek uh, shipping company, into a sort of a, a test tube of what happened to one one batch of immigrants that came over. And it was it coincided with the crackdown in the 20s of uh, uh, 1920s. Of uh, against immigrants, uh, if, uh, when uh, after after World War One, there was quite a, a back backlash of mm -hmm. anti-immigrant uh, uh, sentiment in the country, which we've had since. Um, where, my, where can they find the story? Uh, Hopefully, the editors can post a link to it. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm I th I might have it on my website. As a matter of fact, I do I do I have a mm -hmm. you can. Well, WilliamRental.com. We're going to put up WilliamRental.com. <laughs> Obviously, it's The Gambler. You guys can see this book. This book is one of the one of the, uh, the best books I've ever written. I mean, I literally have <laughs> I'm mildly obsessed, okay? Uh, there's a lot of reasons why I'm mildly obsessed about this. Check out the book. I think it's available on audio, too. I have it on audio. My son said he couldn't find it anymore on audio, but I can't imagine that it's not available Um and if you have trouble, get a hold of me. Obviously, uh, we'll make sure you can get the audio version. I'm sure Bill yeah. has a, a way of getting a hold of his publisher and saying, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, I think, um, I think you find it in you know, Barnes and Noble or uh, Amazon um, as a as a audio version. Oh, really? I think so. Uh, uh, I, 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 you but know, you can I, also get it in Japanese, Russian, and Armenian. Um. I'm working on uh, the seven secrets of uh, Kirk Gregorian. It's right here, but I can't tell you it's gonna, when it's going to be published. We have other things going on. Uh, Bill Rempel. Um, I wanted to do this for a long time, and I, uh, I hopefully we get to do it again. I don't know if, if there's something else we could. I mean, maybe maybe there's a way for us to do a podcast again. Like we can zoom in. Do you use Zoom at all? I, I know how to do it. Uh, I have to remind myself every time. But, yeah, but uh, maybe we can be patient, right, Christy, and get them on Zoom. Um, <laughs> before we before we sign off, is there any uh, any suggestions for people reading this book that you'd say, hey, like, uh, I don't know, is there just I, I I there's so much in this that we didn't cover, right? It's just it's it's a truly amazing um, piece of work, and I guess I fanboyed you enough on this stuff, right? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Bill, we appreciate you. Uh, really, my, we do. My pleasure. And I can't wait for everyone to watch this. Um, I'm going to ask the editors to get it out as quickly as we can. And uh, we, you and I have other business tonight. Well, let's talk. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later.
No, I'm gonna explain to you this way. There's a reason for it. So, so I did get that right. I did get that yeah, right. Yeah, you got it right. 